0: I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good almost afternoon, guys. This is coming out late. It's 1144 AM Central Daylight Time. It is the 14th of June, 2019, and this is... Episode 107 of Bitcoin and and today's gonna to be a regularly your regular kind of schedule. We'll have a daily train wreck, we'll have a song, blah blah blah. Um uh, and sorry about like the Wednesday or uh Monday and Wednesday shows. I'm I'm apparently still getting over bronchitis. Uh it's I, I keep forgetting how deep of a sickness that or a well sickness that is. When you get bronchitis, it is nothing to sneeze at, uh, pardon the pun. But uh, it takes a lot longer to get over uh, the physical uh, stuff of it than it does the actual, you know, any kind of fever or you know, actual coughing. Once uh, once you hit it with the antibiotics, it, it you know, and you feel you start thinking you're feeling better, but you're really not. It takes a while. So I feel much, much, much better today, and that's a good thing for a Friday. Also, a good thing to see uh, the. Price of Bitcoin pumping a little bit, so let's get into the stack. Um, Jimmy 7 for sure tweet has a nice tweet thread out here, and it's uh, we're, because we're we're going to be covering Craig Wright and and the. I mean, it's, we're we're just. I know people want to say, well, just don't talk about him, but. I'm sorry, we're just going to have to talk about them. Okay, so Jimmy starts out by saying, so where did Craig Wright, also known as Fake Toshi, go wrong? Craig Wright was in debt for millions. Hotwire PE was going down the tube. So in 2013, he decided to shop himself as Satoshi Nakamoto to lure in investors. He had some papers, patents in the making, and other IP, and himself, Craig had the idea to start a Bitcoin bank in exchange. He knew there would be big money to be made. Craig thinks big. He has the skills and capability to create and deliver. But his Achilles heel is his penchant for exaggerating, lying, and rubbing people the wrong way. Craig hooked a millionaire investor from Canada. But to cement the deal, he needed to be a little bit more creative because a little bit of a stir or cause a little bit of a stir in the media. Craig got together some of his documents, altered some emails and online blogs to suggest he was Satoshi, and doxed himself. (laughs) I love it. He got the pledge for millions, and McGregor did a deal with the ATO, paid them off. Craig got a plush office in London and a research team, basically a recreation of Hotwire. But the deal entailed Craig coming out and declaring in public that he was Satoshi. This was problematic because although Craig thought Hal was Satoshi, he couldn't be 100% sure. So Craig was very hesitant to come out publicly. It may put him into some very hot water. And if the real Satoshi came out, <clears throat> came out his deal with interest in Calvin would dissolve. Over time, we have seen Craig become more and more comfortable stating he is Satoshi. I think the lack of response from the real Satoshi gave him confidence to continue. It meant the real Satoshi had passed away. Now he has been caught out lying, fake docu- tendering fake documents to the court in Florida, and everything else. He's been getting very nervous. He has been ordered by the judge to attend court in Florida in a week's time. He is resisting. He knows it could end very badly. Craig was too ambitious, too greedy, and lied too much, all of which had repercussions. Hotwire was mismanaged. It imploded after six months. His Oz industry rebate apps were denied. The ATO investigated. He was fined. He lies about being a Satoshi to gain funding. Well, what's next? I like to point out that this is just my opinion. It is, however, based upon facts collected from multiple sources. Possibility and a little assumption. Key takeaway Craig lied about being Satoshi to gain funding and has done his best to cover his tracks. Hashtag judgment day looms. And boy, does it ever. That's gonna be really that's gonna be really interesting. Now he intimated that 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 Craig has to come to court. Okay. Let's get into that with a tweet thread. And this is much smaller by uh, Stephen Polly. He says, a story in three acts or Mr. Wright's very bad days. We'll cover this in today's crypto case law minute. But the TLDR is that things aren't going well for Wright in federal court in Florida. As we noted previously about this case, federal judges see through smoke screens fast. Okay, and uh, he's got uh, a few there's a, uh, a couple of uh, screenshots here, uh, and let's just kind uh, of look at, look at them. The screenshot is from the court reporter recording everything that's being said in the case. And apparently the judge says, You realize it is f- facially incredible that in 2011, your client transferred potentially billions of dollars in Bitcoin to someone, and you can't tell me who that was. You understand that, Right. And it goes on. Here's another screenshot. But to be clear, and I think this is clear in my standing order, as you can tell, I am not happy when this happens. When someone gets a discovery request, objects to it, forces the court to rule and adjudicate the objections, and then comes back at the end and says, oh, by the way, we don't have anything and we can't get anything because that's just a waste of the court's time. And your client needs to understand that. Your client needs to understand he is under the jurisdiction of this court. I will not hesitate to order him to come to the United States and appear in front of me to explain himself, so I don't know what other priorities he has in his life right now, but this better be one of them now when a judge starts using language that like that, uh people should start getting nervous so we're gonna uh we've got another uh part of Stephen pally's tweet storm here, and it says. After the first tweet, it says, it is possible to lose a case on the merits for disobeying discovery orders. <clears throat> would on the merits ruling, oh sorry, would an on the merits ruling that in effect right isn't Satoshi be binding in a UK court? If they follow similar rules of international arrest judica, it sure might be. I am skept- skeptical he will be able to keep this game up any longer. The choice is to comply with the court going forward scrupulously or begin a short road of sanctions and end up with pleadings stricken and a loss. Quote, so, Steve, are you saying Craig Wright is going to lose? in quote. Well, while I don't have a crystal ball, if I were betting, I'd bet heavily against him. I'd also bet there's a chance his lawyers move to withdraw before the case ends. Yeah, he can say it doesn't matter, but anytime he tries to sue someone for saying he isn't Satoshi, it will get thrown out of court, and it will be increasingly hard to find lawyers to represent him. Those quotes from the transcript are the kinds of statements from a judge that make you, your you-know-what pucker if you're a lawyer. This is where the lawyer thinks, quote, oh shit, rule 11 referenced by the court was not good and this was a month ago. Now this is the last tweet and it's the last screenshot that he has. And again, this is this is uh, from the uh, re, you know, the court reporter uh, notes the the court reporter's taking notes and and those are made public. So, uh, this one says, "So I assumed that since that pleading was signed by Mr. Rivero, subject to rule 11 which says that a lawyer who files a pleading and signs the pleading certificate certifies That, to the best of the person's knowledge, information, and belief before and after an inquiry reasonable under the circumstances, the factual contentions have evidentiary support. So I assumed that before filing the motion, Mr. Rivero and his firm had done due diligence to determine if a blind trust exists, who the trustee is, where it is, and that they can accurately reflect to me that it does in fact exist which is why I put you on a very short deadline to tell me about this blind trust because you have been the most fervent advocates in this case that discovery needs to move. It needs to move quickly that we're on a tight deadline. Discovery needs to be narrowed, et cetera. So I now go back to my question. Why do you need 10 days to figure out what you should have known two months ago? And you can answer me, Miss McGovern. I can only assume Miss McGovern is, is part of the team that's, representing uh Craig Wright. Um but uh yeah that would make my asshole pucker. If I was Craig's lawyer, I would want out I it, it would, I almost kind of view this as um oh sort of like a uh like a fox with its leg caught in a trap. That's sort of how I view how I think of Craig's lawyers right now going, oh my God, what the hell did we get ourselves into? But you know whatever, so that's that's going to do it for the what's going on with Craig Wright. And it, like, in, just to sum it all up, he's been ordered to appear to stand in front of that judge. I think it's Judge Reinhardt in Florida at Judge Reinhardt's court Monday, June seventeenth. If I have that, if I have that information correct, um, we do not know what Craig is going to do. He has two choices. He either doesn't show up and shit really does hit the fan. Or he shows up and gives the court everything they want and this shit show continues for freaking ever. Or, and my hope is, is that he does show up and then pulls a Craig in front of Judge Reinhart. That's the one I'm hoping for. So anyway, um, getting on up into the stack. Whale underscore alert on Twitter. Um, they have released a visualization and let's see, it's a, it's a kind of a visualization on their, uh, on their website, which is whale alert.io forward slash visualizations. And it's, it is, a I'd really, you know, it's a nice map. It's a, like a visual 2d map that shows, you know, dots and each dot is large or small, I guess, compared to their relative, uh, business size, but it's like, you know, Binance, uh, OKX, uh, GitHub. Oh, actually, they they've got the hate, GitHub hack, and that was a, a a ripple malfunction. So, and then Hubai and Bitfinex and Bitrix and Bitflyer and all cracking and all these other different exchanges. And it shows uh, where transactions are going from these entities, either to each other or just outbound. So, if you want to get a look at kind of how this ecosystem of, of exchanges, at least as, as they're talking to each other, um, uh, how it looks, it's, it's interesting. I, I, it's been a lot of fun to actually kind of just watch it, but it says the description here is real time view of all transactions made on Bitcoin, Ethereum, EOS, Tron, oh God, Stellar, Ripple, uh, Tezos, Binance chain, and Neo. Every line represents a transaction, and the bigger the value, the thicker the line. Shown are the 20 most active entities in blockchain embedding coming soon. So cool, you'll be able to embed the map into your own stuff. Nice, nice. But now is a time, or now is the time to uh, hear from uh, somebody who probably needs to be heard from more often. You know, back in the day, I used to
1: run my own Ethereum node, you know. Today, things are a bit different. I just need to run it in the cloud through a third party.
0: (laughs) Doesn't that kind of like destroy the promise of a decentralized world computer? Uh. Bull Bitcoin. (laughs) Cut the bullshit. And speaking of straight up bullshit, we have uh, a story here from the Daily Hodel. Uh, This is written by the Daily Hodel staff, June 6, 2019. And yeah, I know it's a little late, but I just ran across it. So in case you don't know, fierce Bitcoin critic admits crypto assets have a role in global finance. That's right. Speaking at the conference on technology-enabled disruption, Augustine Karstens, the general manager of the Bank of International Settlements, questions the lack of tangible assets back- backing oh. cryptocurrencies and asks for more clarity for consumers. Carson has taken a long, hard stance against Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, denouncing them as fake money and imploring young people to stop trying to create money. As the banker for over 60 central banks, I'm going to say that again, as the banker for over 60 central banks powering a well-established global financial system that includes Spurge's Risk Bank, A 351-year-old institution, The Economist says the incumbents are facing pressure from above and below, from tech giants to startups. Today, Karsten's language has softened on the prospects of crypto, bend the knee, and the pace of change. Less strident and more open to the idea of living with digital currencies, he categorizes them as both disruptive and innovative. Quote, they have a role as a crypto asset. If If you have an asset that is out there and some people may want to intervene there, there might be some room for that. What I would want to see is to have more clarity in terms of what the assets are, giving some guidance to potential investors to have clear rules and so on. In quote, I don't know, Carstens, why don't you do some frickin' research? Sorry, despite exploring the new space that cryptos are occupying in the... the ugh, ugh. Despite exploring the new space that cryptos are occupying in the financial markets, Karsten draws a hard line on cryptocurrencies that aim to be spent by everyday shoppers and consumers using digital wallets, says Karsten's, quote, They might have room as part of financial assets in general, but not as cash or cash substitutes. In a blog post from Reuters, Karsten's writes, quote, Today's cryptocurrencies, for example, do not fulfill money's basic premise to serve as a unit of account, a means of payment, and a store of value. Central banks have called out the false promises made by the creators of cryptocurrencies and will remain alert to potential threats to monetary stability. Karsten calls central banks the, quote, guardians of stability, end quote, as for blockchain, Karsten says that the innovation is very powerful technology and explains how central banks are approaching the new landscape. Quote At the same time, there are actively, they are actively exploring the possibilities that the underlying distributed ledger technology opens up for payments, clearing, and settlement systems, as well as digital currencies. As crypto and digital ledger technology innovators in the finance sector are reducing cross-border settlement times from days to minutes, streamlining paperwork and driving efficiency by building cost-effective blockchain-based systems that can eliminate ancient banking procedures. Central banks are, according to Karsten's, maintaining their edge. Quote, navigating new waters may require recalibrating the compass, but central banks will always have their pole star. And I'm assuming he's not talking about strippers. Oh, sorry. Uh, I could. I yeah. I know. I know. Crass, crass language. Um, next up is a CoinDesk article: Could Bitcoin's Lightning power mobile communications? This startup thinks so. This is from Melissa Hertig. And she writes on June the 13th, 2019, new research from mobile mesh networking company Gotenna explores how mobile communications can be decentralized with the help of Bitcoin's Lightning Network. Technologists have long explored how to use cryptocurrencies and blockchains to build programs where users are more in control of their data. Gotenna, the company behind mesh network devices for Internet-less connections, is exploring a novel approach. To that end, the GoTenna team has released a new paper describing how decentralized mesh networks for sending mobile communications, such as text messages, could be powered by Bitcoin micropayments. What's more, they've established a new subsidiary Global Mesh Labs LLC to move forward with this goal. Quote, 80 billion mobile messages are sent each day via carriers and internet service providers. Mobile mesh networks offer an anti-fragile decentralized alternative that can extend connectivity to places centralized networks can't, end quote, the project website argues. One hurdle to mesh networks adoption is that people aren't really incentivized to run the infrastructure required to relay data across the network. The paper argues, Gotenna attempts to fix that by describing a new trust-minimized protocol with Bitcoin's lightning at the center called LOT49, L-O-T-49, which would pay users for relaying data. Quote, any node can earn a reward for relaying data uh, for others and by being at the right place at the right time, the paper written by Gotenna engineer Richard Mayers explains. The proposal is reliant on a couple of Bitcoin proposals that have been widely discussed but haven't yet been incorporated. Schnorr and SIG hash underscore no input. Before building and trying out the protocol, these things will need to be added if the Bitcoin community agrees that they are good changes to make. One is Schnorr, a much anticipated new Bitcoin signature scheme that was first proposed years ago and has seen progress recently through the release of test code. Quote, to reduce incentive protocol overhead, we propose using signature aggregation, simplex payment channel updates, and payment channels formed between mesh nodes with direct communication range, end quote, the paper explains. So there you go. Again, it's just hauling ass. I mean, hauling ass. Now, I was screaming at Gotenna to hook up with uh, Rodolfo Novak years ago. Or not years. Well, actually, yeah. I guess it was like I started harping on both Gotenna and Novak to to go out on a date or something, uh so that opendime would somehow or another be, you know, I don't know. I think at the time I had the idea that you would be able to use the mesh network to uh Authenticate the value that was sitting on an open dime. And, you know, things change. And now there's a, a couple of rigs that will do that without, you know, without a Gotenna mesh. But still, I have always thought that uh, radio and things like uh, Gotenna mesh and the Blockstream satellite stuff, we need to build um, ASAP uh, a, a, a parallel uh, circulatory system for the body of the, of the information world, much like the human body has two circulatory systems. We have a blood circulatory system and we have a lymph circulatory system, but they are parallel circulatory systems. Um, and we need that. And that is exactly what's being built. And I'm really, really happy that Gotenna has figured out that they really need to be closer to this industry than they have been in the past. Um, Okay, well, by now you've all heard heard the news. Cointelegraph has an article, Binance to Stop Serving U.S. Traders Following Announcement of U.S. Dedicated Platform. This is uh, Marie Juliet, and she is writing on six hours ago, I guess when the announcement was made or shortly thereafter. Major crypto exchange Binance announced today, June 14th, that it has updated its terms of use, which notably include a restriction of services to, you guessed it, United States-based individuals and corporate traders. The restriction follows yesterday's news that the company is launching a separate, fully regulated fiat crypto platform for the U.S. market. Today's announcement provides a timeline for the new terms of service to come into effect, specifying that, quote, after 90 days, effective on 2019, or sorry, September the 12th, 2019, Users who are not in accordance with Binance's terms of service will continue to have access to their wallets and funds, but will no longer be able to de- to trade or deposit on Binance.com, end quote. While the use of a virtual private network could ostensibly allow U.S. users to circumvent the new re- restrictions, withdrawals for non-verified users remain capped at up to two Bitcoin per 24 hours worth 16500 at press time. Sums above this threshold would require users to provide evidence that they are complying with the platform's terms of service. In a tweet published yesterday, Binance CEO, uh, basically CZ, said that the new exchanges evolving global structure, quote, some short term pains may be necessary for long term gains, and we always work hard to turn every short term pain into a long term gain. Oh, man. Come on, CZ. You can do better than that. Earlier this month, it was reported that the decentralized exchange developed by Binance will use geo blocking to restrict website access to users in 29 countries, including the US. Then it's not decentralized. Okay. Let's, let's. Get that through our heads, people. That is not decentralization. If you can restrict or otherwise stop X from doing Y, then you ain't freaking decentralized. Uh, as Cointelegraph has frequently, has previously reported, CZ revealed in September 2018 that the company intends to launch, launch five to ten fiat to crypto exchanges two per continent within one year without specifying the exact locations. The firm has, to date, launched fiat crypto platforms in Uganda, Singapore, and Jersey with support for a limited range of cryptocurrencies. As reported yesterday, Binance is establishing its U.S. platform in partnership with BAM Trading Services, BAM, which is approved by the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, or FinCEN. In June, Binance revealed that it would be issuing its own stablecoins pegged to different fiat currencies, but with the exception of the U.S. dollar. In the wider crypto sector, the Huobi Group, operator of the flagship Huobi Global Crypto Exchange, launched a U.S.-based strategic partner trading platform last year, initially dubbed HBUS, but later rebranded to Huobi.com. Oh, man, this is terrible. Okay, so there you go. Uh, You know, United States citizens are toxic to every country in the world, apparently, because nobody will do business with us. And I don't think it's you know, clearly I'm not saying that like Americans just are by themselves suck. It's the fact that we somehow or another, we have been quarantined by our own financial regulations against the rest of the world, ostensibly to protect us. But I call bullshit. If you can't, I mean, it, it's just becomes so obvious that nobody wants to do business with U S customers, not because we're poor, not because we ain't got no money, not because we're not interested in their products, but because if they touch us, then they get a disease that apparently is only cured by lead poisoning from the United States military or something like that. I'm still kind of like unsure how the sec would be, is really just able to march into any country in the world and do whatever the hell it is that they want. I mean, it, this is why the fiat banking system either needs to just go away and die or gets replaced by something. And I'm hoping it's Bitcoin. Okay, so, um, nope, we already covered that. Oh, it's time, for, it's time for a word from our non-sponsor. Still love them, though. What I don't get is if Bitcoin has scaling problems, then why is barely anyone using Bitcoin cash? I literally dumped all of my Bitcoin into it because I thought it was the future. Maybe another block size increase will do the trick. Bull Bitcoin. Ah! Cut the bullshit. And that was our non-sponsor, Bull Bitcoin, Canadian company up there doing some really good stuff. <clears throat> all right, moving on. Uh, as of writing June the 14th, the block crypto has... We need a global currency for the Internet, says Twitter's Jack Dorsey. Twitter and Square co-founder Jack Dorsey believes there is a need for a web-based global currency, he told Quartz in an interview. He suggested that the Internet should mimic nation states by having its own coin and that a global currency could help fintech firms like Square develop faster and, more, and be more accessible to people. Dorsey predicts, quote... There is not going to be any one party or institution that makes this global currency happen, and there's not going to be any one party or institution that can stop it from happening, end quote. Currently, he believes Bitcoin is the best candidate for such a currency as it is, quote, very pure, and its creator concentrated on a public good rather than any other particular agenda. He also said that after 10 years, it's proven to be resilient, pretty much. When asked about the Facebook coin... He remarked, a stateless currency is something every private company could see value in. Dorsey added, quote, this is our one opportunity to align every community and every country around the world, which I think provides a lot of clarity, enables a lot more innovation, and most importantly, creates the possibility of a much greater access for more people. So there you go. Jack shilling Bitcoin again. Yay. I always love it when Jack shills Bitcoin I don't really much care for what Twitter's doing to deplatforming people. Again, Jack doesn't get a pass on that. But, you know, you got to pick your battles, and I'm just not going to pick that battle. I'm too small fry. Um, okay. in on up into the stack, this is the last for the morning roundup. But uh, more stupid on the way, the Block Crypto has written on June the 14th. Walmart to participate in another pharmaceutical supply chain pilot. Retail giant Walmart has announced it is taking part in a second pharmaceutical blockchain trial to track supply chains alongside IBM, KPMG, and Merck. Just last week, the company shared it would be joining MediLedger Blockchain Consortium to track the prominence of meds. Following the United States Drug Supply Chain Security Act, the agency will need a digital system to trace all prescription drugs and vaccines in the US by 2023. The United States Food and Drug Administration has subsequently chosen the companies to test a blockchain solution. Quote, blockchain could provide an important new approach to further improving trust in the biopharmaceutical supply chain, end quote, said Mark Teschrock, IBM Global Solutions Leader in, or for Blockchain in Healthcare and Life Sciences. Quote, we believe this is an ideal use for the technology because it can not only provide an audit trail that tracks drugs within the supply chain, it can track who has shared data and with whom. Without revealing the data itself, blockchain has the potential to transform how pharmaceutical data is collected and managed, shared and acted upon throughout the lifetime history, lifetime history of a drug. Walmart and IBM have already got experience in working on blockchain solutions together as the retailer participates in IBM's food trust network. So I'm sorry. I don't know. I've never been in the pharmaceutical industry, so I I can't say anything really bad without potentially just being flat wrong. But I got a gut feeling here that this is just as much bullshit as being able to track the tomato and make sure that it came from California and not Mexico, because I have to trust the person that puts the information into the blockchain to be tracked not only to put in the correct information, but to correctly tie that information to whatever physical tag, RFID, barcode. I don't know how you're going to do it, but you got to tag the physical thing, right? Um, and quite frankly, man, without that, I don't—I wouldn't trust a single damn thing on any of these food trust chains or Meditrust chains or anything like that. Because at the end of the day, I... Bitcoin tracks UTXOs. That's the product, that and and security behind those UTXOs. I'm not tying a UTXO to a product that exists outside the digital realm. And I'm just, you know, I'm just not clear as to what it is that I'm missing here. But I still think that this is all bullshit. And that's going to do it for your morning roundup. Vital statistics brought to you by bitinfocharts.com. We have Bitcoin at some average, I guess, of 8,372.49. And it looks like the high is going to be over at uh, Bitfinex. Nope, it's going to be at Coinbase Pro at 8,384. And the low is going to be over at, where is that thing? I'm going to call it at right BTC at 8,344. Whoa, 359,000 transactions were made over the last 24 hours with almost 15,000 transactions per per hour on average. 1.2 million BTC have been sent over the last 24 hours, and the average sent per hour is at 53,000 BTC with an average transaction value of 3.54 BTC And a median transaction value of 0.041, or about $350 U.S. Block time is low at 9 minutes, 4 seconds. 0.71 BTC are being taken for fees on a per block basis, and 101 BTC have been taken in fees over the last 24 hours. The hash rate has, in, has climbed by 6.79%, and we are at 55.58 exahashes hashes per second. Last GitHub commit was sometime today. Ethereum is at 255.26. Litecoin is at 126.76. Bcash is at, oh, God, 402. BSV is at 207. Uh, Ethereum Classic is at eight, uh, eight and a quarter. And Dogecoin is at 0.0031. Did they beat... Oh, wow, Dogecoin at 30,500 transactions per second has indeed topped Bcash's uh, 23,530. But sadly, the chumps over on the BSV chain still think that that thing is going to live after Craig Wright crashes and burns, so they're transacting. Anyway, that's going to do it for your vital statistics. (music) I'm going to do something a bit different. And this was prompted by um, a couple of people that was asking me. Uh, I, I tweeted out a, a, a small video of uh, steaks that were cooking on on my outdoor grill, yet in a frying pan. And an obvious question that came across was, but why? Okay. Now, this is just my opinion. And I know, you know, people can get, some, get really riled up about the way they cook steaks. There's no... Unless you overcook a steak, I'm not sure if there's a really a right way to cook a steak. I know what's right for me, you know, for the years that I've been cooking out on grills uh, is extensible. Um, And what I've come to find out is that I rather like a frying pan on top of a charcoal grill. Now, here's why. Um, For years, I used to grill steaks directly on the rack, directly over coals. And always had really good results. It's not like that sucks, right? I mean, that's a that's obviously a, a you know a, a good way to cook steaks, as l- again as long as you don't overcook them, right? Um, but here was the drawback: is that I, every single time I ended up with uh, flame ups. I don't like squirting water on flame ups because it releases a little bit of ash, you know, and I kind of like to minimize that. Yeah, um, It doesn't hurt you and it's, you know, ash is actually kind of good for you, but I don't want it all over my freaking steak and the flare. I just got sick and tired of flare ups, but that was just the way that I cook steaks. Okay. So fast forward or, or fast forward from when I started cooking steaks on grill to a time that I took my wife out uh, for an, an, for our anniversary to a, a really nice steakhouse in Lubbock. And when we got there, I didn't realize it, but they don't cook their steaks on a grill. They cook their steaks on a flat on a flat iron griddle. it's kinda it it's more than it's more than like what you'd find at a you know like a pancake house, right? Now this thing was it like I think they said that the temperature was right of the of the iron when the steak hits it is it like seven hundred some insanely high temperature? And I was like, oh great! If I wanted a fried steak, I'd freaking go to Denny's and order breakfast. Uh, No, this thing was one of the best steaks that I had ever had in my life. So I started kind of pondering what the hell happened there. And, uh, you know, years ago, I used to brew beer. And this will make sense in a minute. And in brewing beer, I came across this thing called a Maillard reaction. And I I don't know if I'm butchering the pronunciation of that or not. It's spelled uh, M-A-I-L-L-A-R-D the Maillard reaction. And what it is essentially is the bonding, the covalent bonding of sugar or a sugar molecule to protein under high temperatures. And I used to use that reaction when I was making beer um the after the whole, you know, mash is done and all the sugars have or all the starch or most of the starches have been converted into sugars in the mashing process. You filter the the water or the wort off of that, and it goes into the boiler. The way I used to do it, to make sure that I had some indigestible, you know, some sugars, for, some sugars that were not going to be able to be fermented by the yeast, I had to perform the maillard reaction. And I just wanted, like I used to brew Scottish ales, which are big, beefy, like food, like bread, like beers. Right. But, um, they would get a little high in alcohol because of the yeast that I was using. So I just decided that part of those sugars I would make unavailable. So I would pour slow or drain the, the wort into the boiler slowly on full fire and just cook the living crap out of the first, Oh, I don't know, probably half liter. And I would make five gallon batches or, 10, I would make two five-gallon batches, so, but I would do it all at once in one 10-gallon uh, boiler. Actually, the boiler itself is 15 gallons, but you don't fill it up that high because, yeah, reasons. In either event, that high heat would take the available sugars and the leftover protein and bond them together, and they, and they would never at that point be able to come unbonded. Um, and what that does is, A, it makes... Well, it makes the sugar unavailable for not only the yeast to turn into alcohol, it also makes it kind of unavailable for for you to digest in sort of like a, like it kind of, it doesn't have the glycemic index of just eating like a spoon of of sucrose or something like that. But let me read this to you. This is from Science of Cooking. What is the Maillard reaction? Browning or the Maillard reaction creates flavor and changes the color of food. Maillard reactions generally only begin to occur above 285 degrees Fahrenheit, or 140 degrees C. Until the Maillard reaction occurs, meat will have less flavor. Shown above are two identical dishes cooked left. <laughs> oh, sorry, two identical uh, dishes cooked below 140 degrees C. And then at much uh, higher temperatures on the right, and it makes all the difference in the world. I'm I'm, re, I'm actually talking to you now. The the two pictures: one looks like something I would never want to eat, and the other one looks like a you know something I would definitely want to eat. Uh, both caramelization and the malleard reactions only occur on the right, producing the noticeable brown color. And it's, it's basically, it's a picture of of chicken and carrots. The Malliard reaction is a chemical reaction between an amino acid and a reducing sugar, usually requiring the addition of heat. Unlike caramelization, it is a form of non-enzymatic browning. The reactive carbonyl group of the sugars reacts with the nucleophilic amino acid group or amino group of the amino acid, and interesting but poorly characterized odor and flavor molecules result. The, this process accelerates in an alkaline environment because the amino groups do not neutralize. The reaction is the basis of the f- flavoring industry since the type of amino acid determines the resulting flavor. So, yeah, uh, the amino acid is the building block of, of, of protein. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the the reaction can only occur between a single amino acid and a, and a single sugar group. It is, it is not impossible for that Malliard reaction to occur on an amino acid as it is still enchained to, uh, uh, like, as part, like the very end of a protein or something like that. But, okay, so the reason that th- this is important is that I, I can get a better con- surface contact with an extreme heat source on a steak if I use a really hot freaking frying pan over a fire. Or over like a gas stove or an electric stove. I'm not a fan of electric stoves, but they do get really good and hot. The problem is there's no smoke. There's not really a whole lot of smoke flavor or charcoal flavor. So what I decided to do was combine the two techniques. So I'll basically put a you know a whole slug of, of charcoal, get it you know nice and 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 uh, and Good and going in that those little like Weber chimneys, which is what I use. And if you don't know what Weber chimney is, they're it's the only way that I start charcoal now. I don't need ch- lighter fluid or anything, I just need a couple of pieces of paper uh, and and get that thing started. When it gets good and hot, dump it on you know, onto the, the leftover coals from like you know, a couple of days ago on the grill, put the grill over it, put the, my uh, outdoor frying pan on it, and let it heat up. And go to freaking town. And it's been my favorite way to cook steaks for like, I think about six months, maybe, maybe about a year, something like that. Um, and that contact surface the, the, uh, on the, on the grill or on the iron is just, it does wonders for the flavor of steak. And I'll, I will cook with different techniques and cooking steaks, you know, in the future. But for, for right now, this is my favorite word of warning. If you do this to a frying pan, you have to use cast iron or stainless steel or something like that. I personally use cast iron. Also, if you do this to a cast iron skillet, and if you you know about seasoning, if you're kind of a foodie like me, you know that seasoning is something that you that is highly desirable. And while I would wish I could keep a seasoning on the the uh, uh, frying pan that I'm using for this, alas. That does not happen because the temperatures get too high and it burns the seasoning right off. So, I have a dedicated, like, lodge, you know, 14 or was it 15, like a 14 inch frying pan that I use for this. It never goes inside um, ex- except to get, you know, cleaned out. And so, I'm, I'm never confusing it with the other frying pans that I do keep a good seasoning on. So, be aware. If you do this, I would actually go and buy a dedicated lodge or something like a Griswold, if you can find them at an antique store or something like that, and use that and dedicate it to this if you want to try it. But, man, I got to tell you, dude, it's the only way that I'm going to be cooking steak for a while. So that's why I put a steak on a frying pan over a hot-ass coal fire. All right guys, got a song for you today. Uh, this is from the Ramones. It's actually uh not I'm not going to say it's one of my favorite bands, but if you have been alive for at least 20 years and you haven't run over a Ramones song at one point or another, I, then I don't know what to tell you. It, these guys were especially in the 80s were just God, they were all over the place. Sadly, at least two members of that band have died and that would be the lead singer with the hair and the glasses Joey Ramone and his guitar playing brother Johnny Ramone who departed this earth or I think in 2004 uh Joey went in uh 2001 I believe I think he went from pancreatic cancer and I'm not sure what uh what Johnny went uh went from but one of the things that's funny about this band is that they were it's kind of a punk band but not really. And, um, and they're, and they're not like master musicians, man. I mean, they're just, they were just a a garage band that, that, you know, made it. But I remember there was this, uh, um, an interview with the guitar player, Johnny, and they were asking him how long he practiced every day. And he just laughed and said, practice, come to find out he really didn't ever practice all that much. Uh, he, he just, picked up the guitar when he needed to go to a gig or they were recording an album and I guess they would rehearse, you know, that's a little different than practicing when you're practicing something you're kind of, you know, you're practicing the guitar, you're kind of doing it so that you can get better chops when you're rehearsing as a band, that's different. Right, so I'm sure they rehearsed so they could, you know, not waste the studio's time and spend thousands of dollars in unnecessary fees. But in, I just thought it was really funny that Joey just started laughing when he's when they was asked about practice. <laughs> today's satoshi's treasure news is that wheat pond literally at wheat pond this is eric i guess he's i'm I'm thinking he's one of the guys behind the satoshi's treasure has tweeted out and this was one day ago he says big at toshi treasure news coming soon very excited the number of talented badasses who have approached us to work together on cool stuff is off the charts okay that's I I like that because that means that other people are like going, how can we help? Or how, you know, it's, it's, I'm telling you, man, it's an industry. These industries are popping up around Bitcoin and this is going to be one of them. This is going to be like, you know, entertain the entertain one of the entertainment sides of this, of the industry. And it's going to be cool, you know, And, and I was pondering actually DMing after I read this, I was pondering DMing him about the idea that I'd had about doing, you know, one of these treasure hunts out in the wild where it takes like, you know, you're have, you would have to hike like over a course of, you know, three to seven days uh, in the back country, somewhere in like Colorado um, and be like a co- combination between a treasure hunt using maps and a compass. And then, you know, the fact that the prize would be, you know, Bitcoin that, um, uh, and I'm still thinking about doing, you know, about contacting him about that, but um, I may not be able to ever be, be able to pull that one off. I certainly would be able to pull it off myself, but I also don't know if I'd be able to pull it off if I contacted Eric and he said, yeah, it sounds good. Let's go. And I'd be like, I don't know what to do next in either event. Uh, there's your Satoshi's treasure. And yeah, yeah, that that's it. The uh, As far as went, let's, let's check in on the keys, though. I forgot to put that up here. Let's see where the keys are. Okay. Now it looks like we have four unknown keys and the rest of them have been found. So, uh, the earth key, the Audubon key, the clan key and the room key are all listed as unfound. So there you go. There's your Satoshi's treasure for the day. (laughs) It would be really easy to give you the daily train wrecked brought by Craig Wright, but I'm not going to. This one's brought to you by Barry Silbert, who says, the launch of Facebook's cryptocurrency will go down in history as the catalyst that propelled digital assets, including Bitcoin, to mass global consumer adoption, will be remembered as just as important and transformative as the launch of the Netscape browser. Buckle up. Part of me wants to believe that Barry Silbert has made uh, not an error, but he was actually poking fun at Facebook coin because uh, as transformative as the launch of the Netscape browser. Uh, yeah. I mean, Netscape browser was transformative, but it also didn't last. Um, this is a bad, and I don't know, man, this is sort of like an analogy that kind of begs karma to come kick you in the ass. And I'm like, dude, stop. Uh, And in furthering the train wreck, we have this piece out of the block crypto. Facebook reportedly brings on Visa, MasterCard, and PayPal as backers of its cryptocurrency. (sighs) Social media giant Facebook's yet-to-launch cryptocurrency appears to have attracted three major payments companies as backers, according to the report by the Wall Street Journal. Visa, MasterCard, and PayPal are set to be backers of Facebook's cryptocurrency along with a number of other companies, including Uber. Each will invest approximately $10 million into a foundation that will govern the coin. I guess those are to buy the $10 million nodes. I don't know. The journal said, citing anonymous sources, the money will be used to create the backing for the coin, which will be pegged to a basket of fiat currencies. The aforementioned governing body will be made up of a consortium of its backers called the Libra Association, according to the journal. More, inf- more information about the cryptocurrency could be released in a white paper next Tuesday, according to reports. Ahead of its white paper, Facebook posted additional blockchain jobs this week as well, with a total number of openings reaching 28. Facebook has been rapidly moving forward with its crypto plans, reportedly hoping to launch its global coin by Q1 of 2020, according to BBC report last month. Tests are slated for later this year before launch in some countries, according to the report. Some, oops, all right, got hung up there. <clears throat> uh, where was it? The Tests are slated for later this year before launch in some countries, according to the report. Some speculate the token could be used for payments and messaging apps. Facebook also registered an LLC in Geneva focused on blockchain developments under the name Libra Networks in early May. As interest in the coin rose, a study from LendEDU also reported a crypto from the from the social media giant could entice new users into the space, particularly due to its marketplace features, with which Facebook can buy and sell items locally. On the regulation front, the Commodities Future Trading Commission told the Financial Times it was in early talks with Facebook about its coming stablecoin though no application has yet been submitted to the CFTC according to the commissioner according to commissioner Chris, Christopher Giancarlo the body is trying to discern whether the crypto would fall under its jurisdiction so yeah this is more just more nonsense <clears throat> excuse me bless me because you know at least charlie shrem gets it he tweets out i'm just going to say it i think the facebook coin is an attempt by big tech Banks and credit card companies to lure people away from Bitcoin into their bigger, bet, or I'm sorry, better, easier crypto, which is nothing more than a fiat coin being masqueraded as crypto. Millions will be fooled. I completely, 100%, agree with Charlie. I mean, Barry aside, I mean, Barry's got a point about you know red pilling a whole bunch of people. But if you can't really red pill them with an orange or purple or rainbow colored pill because it's bullshit. They're, they're not going to be in control of their own coin. So I, I guess it's up to all the rest of us to make sure that the, the potentially future wrecked noobs out there are constantly bombarded with the message, not your keys, not your coin, not your choice how to make or who to make payments with, because you will, at one point or another, be censored like all the assholes that are being censored on Facebook right now. Whether you like what they say or not is not the point. You should be able to say what the hell it is you want. And since they're already telling people that they're just going to be deplatformed, what happens if they have an open wallet with like $10,000 of of shit Facebook coin in it? Are they just going to take the wallet? I mean, there's a lot of questions here, people, and none of them are being answered. And I, I hope other people that are more intuitive than I am will ask ask the better questions. But for now, I'm like just thinking of it like they can just they can just hork my wallet at any given time. Anyway, the smoldering pile is over there in the corner, so we'll just let it burn. <music> All right, let's end this one out with uh, terrible joke corner. This one comes from Faucet underscore Matt. I dreamed about drowning in an ocean made out of orange soda last night. It took me a while to work out it was just a Fanta sea. Yeah, so you guess the soft drink Fanta sea. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's terrible, but it was the best I could do. Um, that's going to do it for the show. We're we're at the end of another one. And I hope you uh, got a little bit out of this one, especially the, the steak thing. I, I like cooking. I mean, cooking is a big deal in, in, in the life of me and in my family and kind of always has been. Um, and cooking properly is, you know, it takes a lot of practice and it takes a lot of listening to how other people do their stuff, too. So I hope you found it, you know, enjoyable. If, again, if you do decide to try that, uh, be careful with the temperature. Uh, I, I have made the mistake. I, in fact, I videoed this thing out and somebody was like going, Jesus, did you just hate those steaks? Because I hit, they hit the pan and man, it was just rolling smoke coming off of them. So it is definitely possible to get the thing too hot. I think, you know, one of the next things that I'll do is, Get an actual temperature, like an infrared uh, temperature gun, and uh, start playing around with what exactly is the surface temperature of that hot iron. But right now, I think I got it down pretty good. And the stakes last night were amazing as they have been for a while. So it's worth the shot. Other than that, I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Don't worry about Facebook, coin, or any of that shit. Just enjoy the fact that we got a little bitty, you know, a bitty pump going on here in Bitcoin. And the shit show that is Craig Stewart or Steven Wright or whatever his middle name is, uh, will continue on Monday. I don't know if they will have released any, like what happened that Monday, but this coming week should be interesting. And like I said, I hope it really does end up with Craig ranting and raving in front of a federal judge, losing his temperature or losing his temper and (laughs) being thrown in jail for contempt of court. Anyway, man, I'll see you guys on the other side.